0: Inactivity is the fourth leading cause of death or mortality worldwide. And we know by being physically inactive, you can increase the risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, amongst a number of diseases. But twisting it around to physical activity is so beneficial for our hearts, for our bodies, for our minds and especially around mental health as well. So the benefits of physical activity are huge. And they often say if you could prescribe one thing, it would be being physically active to prevent all causes of ill health.
1: Welcome to another edition of the HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. My name is Eamon Kyo. On this episode, we're talking about physical activity, specifically physical activity in the workplace or active workplaces, and why it is important and what the HSE are doing to support the concept of a more active workplace. To discuss this in more detail, I'm delighted to be joined by Emer Cotter, Project Manager, Healthy Eating Active Living Programme, HSE Health and Wellbeing. Hello, Emer.: Hi, Eamon. And Dan Russell, Health Promotion Improvement Officer who's working in Tala. Hi, Dan. Hi, Eamon. You're both very welcome. I said in my introduction that we were to talk about physical activity But Emer, we were chatting before and you were talking about the health risks associated with physical inactivity and how it's a leading cause of so many preventable illnesses.
0: Yeah, so believe it or not, inactivity is the fourth leading cause of death or mortality worldwide. And we know by being physically inactive, you can increase the risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, amongst a number of diseases. But twisting it around to physical activity is so beneficial for our hearts, for our bodies, for our minds, and especially around mental health as well. So the benefits of physical activity are huge. And they often say if you could prescribe one thing, it would be being physically active to prevent all causes of ill health.
1: And I suppose not being active is a huge risk as well.
0: It is, yeah. And we know that people who are inactive have an increased risk by about 30% of premature death.
1: It's quite stark,
0: but yeah, it is. And, you know, globally, worldwide, we know that about 66% of people aren't actually physically active or getting enough physical activity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Jan, do you think most people are aware of that? I think the definition of sedentary
2: behavior maybe needs to be explained a little bit more. So like anytime you're kind of sitting at a computer or you're sitting gaming or sitting watching television, you know, you're not burning enough calories, you know, to increase your heart rate is a sedentary behavior. And the general recommendation is for young people, it's around one hour a day is all they should remain sedentary. And most of the time during the day, they should be involved in some activity.
1: Okay. So just to clarify, sedentary behavior is the amount of time we spend sitting down. is that right?
0: Yeah. So the WHO in 2020 released some new guidelines on how much physical activity we should be getting. And for the first time ever, they've called it out as being physically active and Coupled with that is sedentary behavior. So, how we describe that is being physically active is getting your heart rate up. It's, you know, working your body, working your muscles, whether moderate or vigorous activity. And we do know the recommendations are for an adult is about 150 to 300 minutes a week you should be getting. But now they're focusing on that sedentary behavior. So in the opposite of that, it's what we're doing for the whole entire day we need to look at. So you might get 30 minutes of a jog, but if you're sitting down and sleeping for the rest of the day, you're actually probably sedentary. So we need to look at both of them. And we have things like the steps to health challenge in the HC would be a really good example of that is that we're increasing your step count throughout the day. And then you're looking as well at can I get that 30 minutes in? I'm actually, you know, getting benefits and getting all those benefits of being physically active.
1: Right. And actually, now that you mentioned the Steps to Health Challenge, do you want to talk to us a little bit about what that is? It's coming to an end now, isn't it?
0: It is, yeah. Just finished there. Yeah, on Sunday. So we just finished a five week challenge. So it's a staff health and wellbeing initiative in the HC run through the Health and Wellbeing Healthy Eating Active Living Program. And it's a national campaign where we look for staff and teams across the HC, the health services, to join us for five weeks and to try and get their physical activity up, to try and take part in this challenge and join together as teams. And it's in its seventh year now. And, you know, I suppose the impact it's had on staff over the years is amazing. This year, we had close to 6,600 staff signed up for it across 880 teams across the country. Yeah, And basically, they just go out and they walk and they come together and they log kind of their step count as a team. It's not really just about the steps, but it's about looking and getting staff connected to each other through teams, but also looking at what is my physical activity? What is my activity during the day? And hopefully at the end of the five weeks after walking, after connecting, that the staff can kind of go away and, you know, a person might go away and say, okay, I've done a little bit. I feel a little bit better. And how can I bring that into my everyday life and keep going with this and increase my health and well-being, increase feeling good, increase feeling, you know, all the feelings you get benefits of mental health from it.
1: Yeah. And what's been the reaction in, in your area, Dan?
2: I'm based in Dublin, South Kildare, West Wicklow, which is CH07. And the reaction from health promotion staff that actively work on this program and the, the team leaders and you know other staff who take part has been absolutely superb this year. There's been an increase from last year of over 2000 people taking part which is as a result of, you know, quite a comprehensive evaluation that happened after last year's Steps to Health program. And the feedback that we're getting from the health promotion team is that they're really enjoying the process and the autonomy that they've been given by the national healthy and active living team to run some local competitions and engage a little bit more with some of the local staff. And a good example of the positive relationship that I just spoke about in kind of getting staff to actually work together and join together as a team was highlighted a couple of weeks ago when Denise and Lisa, the two health promotion officers who are actively involved in leading out this program in CH07, they went out to visit EVE Services, which is a Section 49 funded agency, because they'd taken part in one of the weekly competitions and they went out to EVE to present them with a little Steps to Health GLA. And when they got on site and they were brought in for a cup of tea or coffee Mm -hmm. and they could see that Eve had developed their own kind of weekly leaderboard and their own weekly step challenge and their own weekly motivational hints. And the whole team were involved in this process. And it just shows you that not only is it working nationally and regionally, but like at a local level, there is a real camaraderie there between groups of people who actually take part at an individual level and a local level. and it was great to see that they had such a kind of local involvement in the whole
1: process. When you think of all those touch points within the HSE or the partners that you talk about, I mean, the potential is massive and even actually families as well of the people have taken part. I'm sure, as you said, Emer, that people may continue to walk or keep up their steps. So.
0: Exactly. They bring that home effectively. Yeah. So in a previous podcast, M. Um, Biddy O'Neill was speaking about the Healthy Ireland framework for workplaces and steps to health, and the staff health and wellbeing in the active workplaces is a little piece of that puzzle, and it's contributing to you know improving staff health and wellbeing and to making our workplace a happy, healthy place and making the healthy choice the easy choice for our staff. The health services of over one hundred fifty thousand people—it's the size of a small city. Staff are our biggest resource, and we need to keep our staff healthy. We need to keep our staff functioning. Staff health and well-being is such an important part of the HSE. To have a fully functioning health service, we need people to be well, to be happy, and we know the benefits of physical activity. Physical activity improves your mental health and well-being, your physical health. It leads into the HSE looking at how we can support staff to be active, and it's a little piece of that jigsaw.
1: Yeah. And you were saying, Amor, the Steps to Health challenge model has changed this year. And Dan was talking about the autonomy at local level.
0: Yeah, so I suppose traditionally Steps to Health was run through the Health Eating Active Living program nationally, and we would have coordinated across the board, all teams, and we would have reached out to the CHOs for support. But this year, the Health Eating Active Living program, we took kind of a national coordination, but in terms of coordinating with the teams, implementing on the ground, linking with the teams, the CHOs and Health Promotion and Improvement Coordinator coordinators did that in each CHO and it was really, really successful. So they would, you know, have that autonomy to run what fits locally Mm. and connect in other pieces that they are working on on physical activity down there. So, yeah, so we'll have some results and evaluation at the end of the summer. It'll be interesting to see. But the feedback has been really good so far in the support and communicating with doing their own local comms rather than at a national level. Yeah.
1: And Dan, could you talk to us a little bit about what you did locally to activate the Steps to Health program?
2: Yeah. What we've seen locally was great involvement and a great level of interest from all the different departments' heads and the head of health and well-being and the head of primary care services and the head of mental health services and so on. And they used their influence and they sent out a broadcast email to all different sections. And that was supported by the health promotion officers on the ground and the new Twitter account that we have as well for health and well-being. And then... The likes of John Larson in the communications team was very supportive as well in helping us reach the wider staff audience. And the whole process worked out quite well, particularly when you have the support of senior management in so many different departments. It really, really helps. And the second thing is, last year, the Steps to Health Challenge and the relationship that's been built up between staff health and wellbeing in the Staff Health and Wellbeing Grant Scheme and then the Workplace Wellness Committees there was also some really good links established, you know, in the last, I'm going to say in the last 12 to 18 months in and around this process. And I think that maybe helped as well, with the whole staff health and well-being grant scheme.
1: Yeah, very good.
0: And I suppose, you know, by us going out and working with the local teams, I think it's reinforcing it at a local level and people are familiar with the processes. I think staff are connected more into their local HBNI offices, you know, and there's various things going around. So we found that I think that connection and that implementation at a local level has probably strengthened and it's built up those relationships and it's got staff engaged more because they're more familiar with that process. And we're really seeing that because our numbers this year were actually up 20% on last year. So, you know, we saw a 20% increase on registrations and on team numbers, which is fantastic. So, the promotion, people connect in more, I suppose, within a CHO for, you know, your Twitter account. We saw that, for example, in the Midwest, they have a very active Twitter account and communications, and there was huge connectedness on that. So, staff are engaging. You know, we're all online, we're all digital. So, they're seeing this, and it's building those networks locally. And then, for us in the Healthy Eating Active Living Programme, I suppose we set out the framework and we support through resources and we'd say, you know, we have various resources and guides available to you. But it's giving that autonomy, I think, at a CHO level, which is strengthening it as well. And it's connecting people in the CHOs in then with groups you mentioned, Eve, and groups we traditionally don't work with, you know, within the health service. Yeah,
1: Dan mentioned it, but even I think it's important getting that buy-in at all levels locally as well. Yeah. I've heard that actually numerous times about senior management walking to talking and getting involved, buzz endorsing programs like this. It really drives it
0: exactly staff health and wellbeing needs to be top down and comes from the bottom as mm. well the staff need to want it and feel part of it but it does have to be endorsed at a management level and supported at a management level yeah yeah, yeah.
2: yeah we've seen that both last year and this year like a great example I have of one of the network managers buying into the whole process was Claire O'Leary she's the network manager at Network Nine out in Tallah we held a walking event at one of the local park runs in Nice at the end of the steps the health challenge and Claire's only back off maternity leave and she turns up with you know the new baby and then the young child in the pram, you know, and and some of our staff then that she, she worked closely with out in Tala. And then the same again this year, you had Margaret McQuinland turning up at the new Daughter Valley Park run. And again, a number of staff there to support her as well. So when you see network managers and when you see the like, head of health and well-being and director of services turning up at events, I think it's good for motivation and leadership.
1: Dan, do you have any other examples of where staff engaged with the Steps to Health initiative?
2: Yeah, I have an example here of the winning limerick. I'm not sure whether it was from the national competition or the local competition last year. And again, you know, it it goes to show that staff are really thinking about what they're doing. And I might just read it out. There was one of the weeks on week three or week four, the teams were asked to send in a little limerick to talk about their involvement in Steps to Health. And this was the winning limerick from the Hot Trotters team in Nace. And it goes, Hot Trotters don't know when to stop. Hitting 10,000 a mortal, we drop with a big dental smile, mile after mile, we'll keep trotting our way to the top. It's just a simple little thing like that, you know, shows that they are engaged and actually thinking about what they're doing and not just stepping out every day.
1: Yeah, that's great. And Neymar, I mean, it's great to see that, isn't it? It brings a bit of fun, but it also shows someone took the time or they took the time to write that. So they're obviously invested in it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And seeing the positive stories and every year there is a fifth inspiration story traditionally we used to do, and it was just getting stories from people and connecting and finding how it has affected people, because I suppose we can talk about it at a national level and how we run it, but it's actually yeah. how it affects people. And how the staff feel after the Steps to Health Challenge. So it's great to see these inspirational stories and we can use them and promote them throughout the challenge. And hopefully those staff members will go on and look at their activity for, you know, the next while and keep going at it and be motivated. Yeah.
1: And what about change in work practices now with people working from home? And I mean, it's great to see an increase in the engagement with Steps to Health, but I suppose the model has changed slightly since pe- more people are working from home now.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's like looking at our workplaces now, our workplace as a setting and taking that settings approach to it. So I suppose stepping away from the Steps to Health challenge, you know, within the HC, we have to look at where our people are working mm. and is the workplace supporting them to be active? So for example, There is evidence base around how we can make active workplaces and support people to be active. So things like encouraging people to take little breaks, you know, every hour standing up, moving around, because it all contributes to the sedentary behavior and people just sitting for prolonged periods of time, alternate workstations. So sit to stand desks, I actually got one. I moved into a new office in Cork and we managed to get a sit to stand desk. And it's like, you know, during meeting times, you just stand up and you just Mm. kind of move around. And it's just those little, little bits of breaking it up during the day. And we know then, and I think, Dan, you've got some great examples, is, you know, the supportive environment is that if we want our staff to be active, we have to provide opportunities within the workplace. So I know there is some Selina launcher routes within hospital grounds and the Irish Heart Foundation are working on increasing the capacity of that. And Dan, you have a good example, I think, the Bike to Work scheme.
2: Yeah, again, this is down to the, I suppose, the partnership between staff, health and well-being, Steps to Health, stakeholder engagement, communications and the wider health promotion team we visited a site recently, we've actually produced a small 30 second promotional video around one of the sites, one of our partner sites in Clundalk. And what they've done with their grant that they received from staff health and well-being last year is they've actually put in a bike rack and they've purchased four bikes with the relevant safety equipment. Although it's not really feasible for the staff to maybe, you know, cycle to and from work, what they've done is they've put four bikes, you know, in a secure location and they're actively encouraging their staff that when they're out doing house calls or when they're out on site visits or are visiting other partner agencies, that they would use the bikes as their day-to-day commute within local boundaries. And that's a great example, I think, as how we can actually increase active transport and, you know, movement in the workplace. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's a really
2: good example.
1: And Emer, just to go back to, I suppose, our own staff in the HSE, I'm conscious there's a lot of frontline staff maybe listening to this who are saying, I'm doing my 10,000 steps in the morning. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I suppose that goes back to the sedentary behavior and the physical activity and kind of the definition between both. So we see it in the steps to health challenge, actually, that the frontline staff are always top of the leaderboard. They're totting up millions of steps compared to, and we do define between office workers and say frontline staff on their feet. So I suppose the message for frontline workers is that might be your habitual work place every day. You move, you're walking from station to station, whether it's in hospitals. So then for you, it's probably as a frontline worker, what do you do outside of that every day? Are you taking the time for yourself to get those 30 minutes, getting your heart rate up? So building that physical activity in, because yes, you are getting that step count up. So it's about getting the balance and looking, whether it's across your working week or your whole week, you know, and trying to get that balance. And I think the message is really for most people is, can we do a little bit more than what we're doing now? And if your step count is great and you're getting it, but is it maybe you need to increase that heart rate every now and again over the course of five days a week. Mm. So it's about getting that balance. And I think our message really is move more. We don't ask people or expect people to be out on their lunch breaks, you know, running marathons and mm. running, but trying to get that movement in so that you're more conscious every day of not being sedentary, not sitting down. And it is very hard, I suppose, for people who are working 12 hour shifts, but then on your off time, look at incorporating that in.
1: Yeah. And also, I suppose, going back to people working from home as well, because you're at home, you maybe tend to sit down and you, you don't factor that into your what is effectively your working day.
0: Yeah. And we've, you know, we've all seen as you go from your desk, your work desk, right to the couch, but yeah. on Netflix. So again, it's about taking those movement breaks and maybe... In the future, looking at some guidelines, our, our workplace has to incorporate our working from home as well. Yeah. Mm. So it is, yeah, very important.
2: Yeah. I we'll just add a little bit on yeah. to Emer's there. And yeah. if we take it right back to the very start of what we spoke about, and Emer mentioned about accumulating 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity activity each week as being part of the World Health Organization guidelines. For you know, just general good health. In the last few years, the World Health Organization have also expanded that statement a little bit to incorporate that we actually need to do some all-over body resistance training exercises twice a week mm. for a minimum health benefits because we have become so sedentary and bodily movement has become so reduced. So I know one of the items that we're working on in CHO7 is trying to develop a relationship with the local authority leisure centers and gyms and swimming pools, whereby HSC staff can get a corporate membership rate. You know, because a lot of these leisure centers and local authority fitness centers tend to be located quite close to HSC buildings or in communities where HSC staff actually live. So if we can develop some kind of a positive relationship between the local authority leisure and recreation services, and the HSC staff services, this could be a good partnership and a good way to you know, encourage people, whether you're working from home or going to or from work or even on your lunch break, to engage in slightly different activity
1: than just, than just walking. Mm. Hopefully it works out. And Aimee, are there other initiatives that employers could introduce?
0: Yeah, definitely. So we have the bike to work scheme I mentioned before. So within the HSE, so that's where you can get commuting to work or your bike and you can get all the accessories tax-free and tax benefits of it. Yeah. So even little simple things, for example, if, you know, if there's going to be bike racks or there might be showers so that people can commute to work and to be active. And, you know, I suppose signage and communications and campaigns like use the stairs instead of the lift. You know, it's something we all automatically do go over and press the button on the lift. But increasing, I suppose, looking around your workplace and is there things you can encourage people to do and to do differently as well?
1: Yeah. You mentioned Selene Ashland actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so that's an Irish Heart Foundation initiative. So they have routes mapped out across Ireland in the community, but also within a lot of the hospital campuses have them. And it just maps out simple routes that people could take, you know, around hospital campuses can be huge, HC campuses. So, you know, getting in your 1.5 kilometers, 30 minutes, you know, to go Mm -hmm. out and have a, a break at lunchtime or on your route. Yeah. So it's a really good initiative. Yeah.
1: And are there other things in CH07?
2: Yeah, it's not just CH07. I think this is nationally, and I'm not going to be 100% accurate here, but I do know that there is actually a small travel allowance available for people who use a bike as part of their day-to-day work. I couldn't tell you what the exact rate per kilometer is, but I'm not sure you know, how much people actually know about this. Mm. But I know one of my colleagues in CH07 is definitely a keen, keen cyclist and a keen environmental person. And she's highlighted this a couple of times at her own local team meetings. So I think that could be worth exploring for people, you know, who are interested in cycling and maybe just need that little bit of extra motivation at the end of every fortnight.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I think another benefit of the Steps to Health challenge would be the fact that a lot of staff now we talked about working from home, maybe feel isolated and out of the workplace. This brings people back together really as a team, doesn't it, Imer?
0: It does. Yeah, I suppose some staff are working hybrid remotely and into the office. But definitely Steps to Health has brought that team bonding, as you mentioned, and gives something for people to connect into. And we do have the hashtag HC Steps Challenge. And um, we've seen great engagement from teams around that, and um, teams being able to connect in. And we see, I know, Dan, you mentioned photograph competitions that they have locally.
2: Yeah, there's been great involvement both locally and nationally at a photographic competition. And actually, one of the ones that stands out to me from last year was the dentists in Selbridge and the dental team actually, you know, reenacting the photograph of the Beatles you know, stepping across the pedestrian crossing with their Healthy Ireland little pedometers on their side. And it actually won an award for that. And then, you know, the other thing we've noticed this year in particular is lots of people are now starting to send in photographs of themselves out with nature and out in different environments. And we've even had a couple of people send in photographs of themselves when they're on holidays with their little Healthy Ireland step counter on their hip, which shows, like, just how involved they are in the whole process. Um, I think this is great, especially for people who are maybe working remotely and who are maybe not seeing their work colleagues as much as they used to. And it's a great way for them to stay connected, you know, to their work colleagues and possibly people that they don't see as much as they used to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard as well, people setting up WhatsApp groups and even that banter of we have more steps than you (laughs) you. are. Exactly.
0: yeah, And I suppose that goes down to the importance of the team coordinators. So this year, I suppose, and every year you'd have a team coordinator who manages their own team, so they'll register for their team and they're the ones that are really important to the process who keep the teams motivated. They send out the weekly competitions. They send out, come on, you know, we have to log our steps in the heel program. These heels are made for walking was our team this year, and we couldn't have done it without Veronica, our team coordinator, every Monday. Come on, guys, log your steps. And it's just that reminder, that reinforcement and the team coordinators are champions and they're championing it within their organizations. And you find actually some teams are because we have between 2 and 10 people but there could be 3 or 4 teams registered you know within one organization and they compete against each other but at the same time it's about that connectedness and keeping together, you know, connecting with your teammates, mm. you know, and mm. your work colleagues, as you mentioned.
1: i just say a picture tells a thousand words, but some of the pictures I've seen on Twitter as well, people posting from different countries away, yeah. saying I've got my steps today. So yeah.
0: even our own Sarah McCormick was tweeting from, was she on safari in South Africa with her oh, step really? counter? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And Aimer, we've talked a lot about steps to health, but... Say people with a disability in that, what are their recommendations around what they should do in terms of their physical activity? Yeah,
0: so actually the recommendations from the WHO are very similar. So 150 to 300 minutes of moderate activity, but within the capabilities of the individual and We do know that people with a disability can do various adaptive exercises and it's getting that moderate activity in as well. But I suppose it's looking at the environment and making sure that there's accessible, that it's not just about steps, you know, that it's about movement, whatever within your capacity or your capability there is. We do partner with the Active Disability Ireland on the Active Healthy Me programme. So it is a health services programme where disability services sign up and can do physical activity. And they have lots of information on their website for people who want to become active, who have a disability. But it's something we need to be really mindful of that, you know, steps aren't for everybody and that we need to look at that whole kind of the move for health.
1: Yeah, I think the key message is move movement Move, matters really, isn't movement it? Movement
0: matters. Yeah. Even taking, you know, we say steps for health, but it's beyond steps. It's just moving and increasing that movement throughout the day, taking those breaks within, you know, your workplace and just really cutting down at that sedentary behaviour. I think it can't be emphasised enough.
1: Yeah. And where can people get more information about exercising or you know, ideas for being physically active?
0: Yeah. So hc.ie health and wellbeing. We have a series of information on physical activity, increasing your physical activity levels, exercising, and on the health and wellbeing YouTube channel, actually we have a series of staff videos that were produced a couple of years ago. They are a series of, I think there's yoga, there's chair yoga, Pilates, and strength and resistance. So aimed specifically at staff that they can work through six sessions in each. And we do have some videos on that YouTube channel for people who might have a chronic disease, who can exercise safely at home. There's information there. And then also recently added was some physiotherapists in the Midwest have created a series of videos for just stretches at your desk and moving at your desk. They're really good, short one minute videos. And they're also on the HSC Health and Wellbeing Physical Activity pages.
1: Yeah. And do you have any other information sites, Dan?
2: Yeah, I mean, the HSC have great relationship with the local sports partnerships across, you know, the whole of Ireland. And they have a great variety of what they do, you know, in terms of the services they provide. And I think that should be a key starting point for anybody. You, it doesn't matter what fitness level you are, what age you are, what type of ability you have. The local sports partnerships, they cater for all ages and all abilities. And I would be signposting anybody, irrespective of who you are, you know, a HSC staff member or a family member or friend. To just look up your local sports partnerships and they're very friendly very positive and it's a great starting point for anybody who's maybe thinking of taking up exercise again or returning to exercise and they're not really sure exactly where they should start or go or what they should do
1: so really the two key messages today are around physical activity and the guidelines for keeping active but also that sedentary behavior so Keep moving and don't sit for too long.
0: Yep. Cut your sitting time. That's it. And we do know that we sit too much and, you know, just trying and breaking up that sitting time wherever you are, whether it's at work or at home.
1: Yeah. And what do you do to work it into your working day?
0: Oh, it varies. I just try and get some sort of activity throughout the day. So I'm very mindful of even this morning, I hopped off the train from Cork and I walked up to here in Capel Street. So it's, you know, getting the steps in when I can. And then I do like to run and I go to the gym as well. But, you know, when I have time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Dan, what do you like to do? What I like to
2: do now, I'm kind of at the age now where I'm a little bit restricted by what my body allows me to do. So... For me, I'm a member of the Selvage Athletics Club and I do a bit of Masters, kind of athletics and Masters running. So that's kind of over 25s. Some of it is competitive, some of it is just a bit of fun. And then golf would probably be, you know, my priority at this stage. Yeah, yeah. You know, when it's a nice sunny day from kind of March out to October, I'd like to try and get out for a couple of holes of golf two or three times a week, a bit of fresh air and...
1: Very good. And what do you do, though, during the day to break up your working day? I think I'm in a bit of a lucky position in that
2: because I'm involved in stakeholder engagement and comms, I'm actually moving a lot from one building to another. Yeah. You know, so if it's a short walk, so, for example, from Broomhill Hill to Kill the Man of Time and Primary Care Center, it's actually quite an easy walk for me, about five or 10 minutes each way. Anything else that I would try and do is I do a school run in the morning. And this is a real practical example of how people who work, people who have children, people who are a little bit busy. I have three children. And what we do is we actually, instead of actually going to the school, I always park in, I'm gonna say a supermarket car park, which is about 10 minute walk away at the most. And I'll walk the younger child to school and then walk back myself. So, you know, they're the little things that I try to do. You know, I don't always have to park exactly closest to the door of anywhere I'm going. Sometimes I'll take the lift. Sometimes I won't take the lift, and depending on how sore my legs are from a training session the night before, I might not have much of an option. Yeah, I try and vary things as much as possible every day. And, yeah, and for me, that's bit of a key. You know, is to is to trying to kind of vary what I'm doing each day.
1: Yeah, I think interesting what you both said and what we've talked about before. It's just about working it into your day. We talked about what employers can do, but also the onus is on yourself, isn't it? Just to look at standing up or, as you say, parking the car a little bit further away or walking from the train, whatever it is. It's just about tackling that sedentary behavior and keeping moving.
0: It is, yeah. And I suppose it's easy now in the summer when the sun is shining, but it is definitely just working in those extra couple of steps where you can. Taking the stairs, like there's four floors here in the building. I press the lift. I was like, no, I'll take those four. If you do that a couple of times a day, you know, that's four flights of stairs in your workplace. Yeah. Walking down to the water cooler. And I think probably in the office, we probably might move a little bit more than at home. You tend to be better set up at home, you know, when everything's closer to you in your house. But I think within the office staff and in the HSE, it's probably quite a distance to the water cooler and down to the kitchen. So, yeah, taking those steps regularly.
2: I sometimes work from home and I am I live in Selbridge and we have a lovely big primary care center in Selbridge and we have a dental clinic in Selbridge. And if I'm going to any kind of meetings and places, I, I have a mountain bike in the mm. back garden and i tip along on the bike to and from the meeting. My friend who is actively involved in the cycling and the environmental awareness campaigns, she gave me one statistic. She shared a couple of stats with me because she knew I was coming on the podcast today. And this stat stood out a mile to me that people who walk and cycle basically save the HSE 29.2 million euro a year in, and that equates to 540,000 GP appointments. So not only are you getting all the health-related benefits of it, but it's actually working in the general economical environment as Mm, well mm. and the environment overall.
1: It also prevents the onset of a Possibly a, a serious illness as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the activity. And again, that fourth leading cause of mortality wor- worldwide, if you had to pick what the top four causes were, you definitely wouldn't pick physical inactivity. So yeah. it's there and it just has such a knock on effect on everything in the body and, you know, whether it's mental, whether it's physical and, and the social benefits as well. Yeah. Which all implicate and have an effect on your health. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'd say a lot of people don't realize that as well. no, no yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've come to the end of this episode, and I'd like to sincerely thank both of you for coming in and sharing your insights and experiences promoting physical activity in the workplace. This has been the HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. Thank you for listening.